Hello and welcome to Walk by Faith with Diana. I'm Diana Abercrombie and I'm so excited that you're here. I can't wait to see where God takes us on this journey. My goal for this podcast is to dig into God's Word, allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and teach us how to apply His Word to our lives, and then turn around and help others in their faith walk. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 4.4, It is written that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I don't think we can live it if we don't know it. I want us to dig into God's Word, pick the Scripture apart, and allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to apply it in our lives. Again, thank you so much for being here with me. Let's start walking, shall we? Welcome to this episode of Walk by Faith with Diana. I'm so happy you're here. Today, we're going to be talking about anger. It seems everyone is angry over one thing or another these days. And once anger takes root in our hearts, it's so hard to let go of it. And the Bible actually has some really good verses on anger and what we can do with it when it starts rising up in us. We'll be talking and looking at Ephesians 4:26 and 27, where God tells us to be angry, but do not sin. We will look at James 1, 19 and 20, where, where we're told to be slow to anger because man's anger does not achieve the righteousness of God. And then Ephesians 4, 32, where we're told to be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven us. So let's pray before we dig in and invite the Holy Spirit not only to teach us today, but also to reveal any anger that we're holding in our hearts so that we can confess it to him, lay it down and allow him to fill us with his righteousness instead of anger. Let's pray. Lord, I'm so grateful to be here today. I just love to be able to talk about your word. I love to share what you've put in my heart. I love to um, just allow people to see that picture of you in our lives and how you help us walk through everything. Lord, I pray for each person who is listening to this podcast today. I lift them up to you. You know them. I don't. You know their hearts. I don't. You know what they're going through. I don't. But Lord, I'm so grateful that we are connected through you, the Holy Spirit. Help us now as we go into this podcast. Help us as we study your word. If there's any anger that's that's trying to rise up in us, help us to confess it to you. Help us to let go of it. Help us to use the scripture that you've given us so that we can help drive that anger out through your word. Thank you that you allow us to do that. Now, Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts. Give us eyes to see ears to hear, and hearts to receive what you have for us today. Teach us, O Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's talk about anger a little bit. Scripture does not say that it is a sin to be angry. It does not say not to, ang- not to get angry. It says to be angry and sin not. So let's look at Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, which says, Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. Now, let's pick that scripture apart just a little bit. Anger is defined as a strong feeling of annoyance, displeasure or hostility. 
So let's be real here for a minute because we are going to experience annoyance. There will be times when we experience displeasure. There will be times when we experience hostility. There's no way around it. If we're human and live in this world, we're going to experience those emotions at some point. Whether it's a situation that makes us feel those emotions or a person that makes us feel those emotions, it doesn't really matter. We will be angry at some point in our lives. It's important not to stay in a state of anger and not to act out when we are in that frame of mind. Things are going to happen in our lives that cause us to feel anger. The good news is we can control our anger through the Holy Spirit instead of allowing our anger to control us. That's the key, right? Anything that controls us other than the Holy Spirit can lead us into sin. 2 Peter 2.19 puts it this way. For whatever overcomes a person, to that he is enslaved. In other words, whatever controls us, we're a slave to. So if anger controls our thoughts and our emotions, we become a slave to anger. I definitely do not want to be a slave to anger. So remember, one of Satan's tactics is to keep us offended and angry. Nothing makes him happier than to keep us angry enough that we stop praying for each other. And there are those times when things happen in our lives and we believe we have every right to be angry. And it almost makes us even more angry when someone tries to help us out of that anger. We believe we're justified in our anger. And sometimes we really are. We just, things happen that aren't right and we're upset. There's a reason, though, that we're told in Matthew 5.44 to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. It is very, very difficult to stay angry with someone and sincerely pray for them. I know this because I've tried it. But what better way to love someone than to pray for them? I will say I have found that once I pour all my anger out to God and then start praying for the person I'm angry with or the situation that I'm angry over, my focus changes to the Lord and the anger begins to disappear. Praying helps me realize that God isn't angry with the person I'm so angry with and he loves the person I'm so angry with just as much as he loves me. So at this point, I have to remember the cross. Jesus had every reason to be angry and yet he chose forgiveness. That's a definite attitude changer for me. Also, it always helps me to remember that whatever happened in my life to make me so angry, it's not a surprise to God. He already knew it was going to happen. He saw it and allowed it. So then my response needs to be, Lord, what do you want me to do with this? What do you want me to see in this? What do you want me to learn in and through this. How can I represent you, Lord, in this? And then always my prayer is that God will help me focus on him and not what is happening. It's not easy. And let me say that I fail miserably at this so many times. I really do. I'm definitely a work in progress. I'm so grateful that he who began a good work in me will see it through to completion because if it was left up to me, I would have failed a long time ago and probably given up, no doubt. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some practical steps that we can take to help us turn from our anger. And for that, we have to look at Scripture. And there is, of course, always an answer to be found in Scripture. I love that. Don't you just love that? So as we said earlier in Ephesians 4.26, 
We're told not to let the sun go down on our anger. How many times have we heard people say, do not go to bed angry? Why is it important not to let the sun go down on our anger? Well, I believe that more than not going to bed angry, it's about not letting anger just sit in our hearts and in our minds for long periods of time. It's about not holding on to the anger that we're feeling. The longer anger sits in us and sits in our hearts, the harder it is to let it go. And the bigger the situation gets, or at least in our minds, that caused the anger in the first place. Anger has a way of festering, like anger breeds anger, which breeds more anger, and on and on and on and on it goes. So it's important not to hold on to it. It doesn't help to pretend that we aren't angry when we are. That's a way we hold on to it, and eventually it rises up to the surface. We need to acknowledge to God that we are angry, pour it all out to him, and let him replace that anger with his perspective so we can achieve which means successfully bring about or reach his righteousness. And righteousness is the quality or state of being morally right, correct or justifiable, being upright, free from guilt or sin. Now, Jesus is the only one who is morally right, correct, totally upright, and free from any guilt or sin. So we can't hold on to anger that totally focuses on other people's shortcomings and mistakes, but never our own. To achieve his righteousness, we need to look at how good he is. Remember that we have been forgiven so much. We have no right to constantly point out how wrong someone else is all the time. We can only be righteous in Jesus. We all have sin. Like in 1 John 1, 8, it says that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. So we all have sin. I can't glare at someone else's and never see my own. Often, we don't pray when we are angry because we're ashamed of the way we actually feel. We don't really want to go to the Lord in prayer when we're angry. We don't want him to hear us sound that way. And we're afraid that God won't like what we say. We we kind of feel as if we need to pretty up our prayers for him. It's it's almost as if we think we shouldn't be expressing our anger to God at all, as if we think he can't handle it somehow. I can't even tell you how important it is to tell him. Have you read some of the Psalms? Have you seen how David openly expresses his frustration to God on multiple occasions in the Psalms? I love that he went straight to God. We need to go to God and pour out our anger at his feet before we tell anyone else. How often do we get angry with someone and go tell anyone and everyone all about it before we go to God? Honestly, God is the only one we should be expressing it to for many reasons. I mean, he is God. He already knows we're angry. He knows my side. He knows your side. He sees what we cannot see. And he can change our perspective because he is God. And he knows everything. He knows those things that we don't know that are going on. But until we empty all the ugly that we're holding in our hearts, until we empty all of that out to him, he can't fill us with more of him. And more of him is the only thing that will drive out anger, especially deep-seated anger that's in us. More of Jesus is the only thing that will drive out anger. 
And after we pour all that emotion out to God, then we can honestly pray for the person or the situation that caused the anger in the first place. And if we need to tell someone else about it after we have prayed about it, God will show us who that someone is. And I can promise you it will be someone he knows will help us pray for that person that we're so angry with, not help us tear that person down. It's amazing what God will do through prayer. And most always he changes our hearts, not the person we feel anger towards. He changes our hearts. Now, at some point he may change their hearts too, but most always he begins in our own hearts. That's something only God can do. In Ephesians 4.27, we're told not to give the devil an opportunity. Now, what does that mean exactly? Well, I've thought about it a lot, and, and I think about it like this. When we hold on to anger, we open the door for Satan to just wreak havoc in our lives. When we allow him to keep playing the scenario that made us angry over and over and over in our minds, we're giving him permission to cause division and hurt in our lives and the lives of others. That's when anger becomes a sin. Once anger consumes us, consumes our thoughts, we're no longer thinking of or even focusing on Jesus. That is giving Satan an opportunity. Now, opportunity means a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. We don't want to hold on to anger and allow our anger to be the circumstance that makes it possible for Satan to do something in our lives. Some versions say do not give Satan a foothold. A foothold is a position usable as a base for further advance. Satan will use our anger when we refuse to let it go as a base for him to advance his agenda into our lives. We do not want Satan advancing in our lives in any way, any shape, or any form. Okay, let's look at James 1, 19 and 20. It says, This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, did you get that? We are to be quick to listen or hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Now, I am totally backwards in that. I am most often quick to be angry, quick to speak, and slow to listen. So I, I totally get that backwards at times. But he says that we are to be quick to listen or hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. Listen means to hear something with thoughtful attention. Thoughtful means showing consideration and attention means the regarding of someone or something as interesting or important. What are we to be swift to hear? We are to be swift to hear or listen to the Holy Spirit speaking in our hearts instead of what Satan may be trying to get us to hear when we're faced with a person or a situation that could cause anger to rise up in us. It's so important that we allow the Holy Spirit to respond through us. It's much better to respond from the Holy Spirit within us than to react out of raw emotion to a situation that is coming at us. That's what being swift to listen allows us to do. Respond, not react. When we respond, it's more deliberate and thoughtful toward a person or an individual instead of reacting to their behavior or treatment of us. There's a big difference there. 
When we're swift to hear the Holy Spirit, he will help us see the person that we're angry with through a lens of love. The Holy Spirit helps us hear him and what he is speaking rather than all the crazy that Satan is throwing at us. That verse also tells us to be slow to speak. Okay, that is extremely difficult, or at least for me, it is very difficult. When I'm angry, I want to speak. I want my side of the story to be heard. But what this portion of James 1.19 is saying is that it's okay to say nothing for a minute. It's okay not to have a comeback every single time someone says something to us. And it's okay to take a minute and listen to what's actually being said. First, by the Holy Spirit to us, so we can respond appropriately, but also to what the person may honestly be saying, not just what we think they're saying. Even if we don't agree with what is being said, we can take a step back and ask the Lord how he wants us to respond or if he wants us to respond at all. So often in my life, I can feel the Holy Spirit shushing me and saying, just pray. You don't need to speak a word right now. Just pray. And when I take a step back and go to the Lord and just wait before I respond, I can feel my spirit calming and my perception of that person and the situation softening. Only God can do that. I can't do that on my own. And I definitely can't do it when I respond in anger. Or I guess I should say when I react in anger. That's where the slow to anger comes in. When we're swift to hear and slow to speak, it helps us focus on our Lord rather than our anger, which helps us to then be slower to react in anger. When we're slow to anger, we can give our anger words that will not destroy another person. Be angry and sin not. That's what it means. Unfortunately, too often, and I speak from experience, we speak very hurtful words out of anger and frustration. And once those words are spoken, we can't pull them back in. They're out there. They've been heard by someone and feelings are hurt. And then there are wounds that will take time to heal. And sometimes they never heal. That does not bring about the righteousness of God. It's so important to listen wait to speak, and allow our anger to subside before we address a person or a situation. Now that brings us to Ephesians 4.32, where we're told to be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven us. We can choose to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. Kind means affectionate or loving. I always think of the word nice when I think of kind. I may be very upset with someone, but I can choose to treat them with kindness. One of the definitions of nice is pleasant. I can choose to be pleasant when I'm upset rather than be hateful. Tenderhearted means having a kind and gentle spirit. Forgiving means ready and willing to stop feeling angry. Those are things we can choose to let rule over the anger and frustration until God, through prayer and the working of the Holy Spirit, removes the anger and frustration. The second half of that verse is very powerful. It says that we're to be kind, tenderhearted, and forgiving because God in Christ has forgiven us. So often in our anger, 
We look at others and see everything they did to us and completely forget that we have been forgiven so much ourselves. It's easy to look at someone else's sin and what they did and forget that we have sin. It's also what Satan wants us to do. He wants us to fixate on what someone has been doing to us. He wants he wants us to fixate on what someone has done to us rather than what Jesus did for us. But Jesus teaches us to do things differently. In John 8, when the Pharisees brought a woman who was caught in adultery to Jesus, we're given a perfect example of what it looks like to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And then Jesus gives us a perfect example of how to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. The Pharisees told Jesus that the woman was caught in the very act of adultery, and by law, she should have been stoned. Jesus didn't respond right away. He listened to what they had to say. He heard them, but he took a minute, knelt down, and began drawing in the sand before he spoke at all. Then he said in verse 7, He who is without sin among you, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. And then when no one could and they all walked away, he stood up and addressed the woman with kindness, a tender heart, and forgiveness. When he said in verse 11, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on sin no more. How awesome is that? A perfect example for us to go by. When we choose to be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, we are better able to then choose to be kind, tender-hearted, and forgiving. It all works together, which then achieves the righteousness of God. He is good. He is upright in all his ways. He is just. He is always morally correct. We are only righteous in him. That's it. There, there is nothing in us that's good other than God. So I pray this week that when we feel those feelings of anger rising up in us, and we will, there's no doubt we will be tested in this, that we remember scripture gives us another way. We can put James 1, 19 and 20 into practice where we're told to be swift to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. We can act out Ephesians 4.32 and choose kindness over anger. We can choose a tender heart over anger. And we can choose forgiveness over anger because we have been forgiven so much. In making those choices, we achieve the righteousness of God. I thank you so much for joining me today. Please know that I will be lifting you up this week. And as always, I ask you to do the same for me. Remember to visit my website at www.walkbyfaithwithdiana.com. Shoot me an email at walkbyfaithwithdiana at gmail.com and let me know how I can pray for you. And I'm so happy to say that the Walk by Faith with Diana podcasts are now on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. And of course, you can find them via the website walkbyfaithwithdiana.com. Thank you all for the support you've already shown with downloading and listening to the podcast. Please continue downloading them, sharing them, and leave some reviews. I want to know what you're thinking. I'm so grateful to have this platform to share God's Word, and I honestly do appreciate your feedback. Have a great week, everybody. Have a great week, and God bless you as you continue to walk by faith and not by sight.